Well, do you guys want to talk about fear and shame and yeah. non-monogamy? I'm gonna live forever. Shame. I'm gonna learn how to cry. Welcome to Mistakes Were Made, a podcast about non-monogamy for messy people like us. I'm Sarah, a queer therapist, writer, and journalist. And I'm Alex. Sarah's husband and the father of her children. <laughs> I'm a communications professional and educator. And I am Jessica here producing the podcast and resident monogamist for the team. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Jessica. Uh, so yeah, we're back after we had a, a short break um, for the holidays and requisite winter illnesses that swept our households. Um, you might've heard in our last episode that I had fucking pneumonia. <laughs> I don't Way to push I, through there, babe. Yeah, I don't think I knew it at the time, but uh, I sounded like shit and felt like shit. And I feel much better now. And we're here. Happy New Year. In the new year, 2023. Truly the future now. We were talking about this the other night. Of all of the years that have passed, I feel like 2023, most acutely, so feels like a ridiculous future, year to be living in. Yeah. And yeah. then I was like, oh, and you know, it's like none of the things came true that you met. And then I'm like, oh, wait. There's like billionaires in space mm -hmm. and there's like mm -hmm. tiny computers in our pockets. And people are just like flying by on hoverboards. Uh, people are flying by on <laughs> yeah. hoverboards. There's like a pandemic that swept the world. I'm like, oh yeah, no, it, that's, yeah. that's kind of like the future we imagine. Hmm. Interesting. I heard that uh, non-monogamy was out in 2023. <laughs> Didn't you send me a thing that said that? Totally I did. <laughs> Which is weird because I feel like monogamy is going to be out in 2023, but maybe... Maybe to, for, I think to be on trend and like ahead of the curve of trends, people often make predictions where they're just like, everything's going to go exactly back to the way it was before. Mm -hmm. And that thing that used to be cool is gone. It's like skinny jeans are baggy jeans again. And non-monogamy is monogamy. <laughs> I, I love it because I came into the kitchen. And I'm like, Alex, this lady who's very cool is predicting that non-monogamy is going to be out in 2023. It's not cool anymore. And you're like, non-monogamy was never cool, yeah. Sarah. It <laughs> wasn't true. cool before. It's not cool now. And it's not going to be cool in the future. Right. So I don't know why you're doing it. Yeah, it's definitely not cool. <laughs> don't you think that lady probably just met somebody that she liked? And that completely dictated her, you know, she was just like, oh, maybe I could settle down with this person. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> On to today's episode. Uh, it's kind of uh, apropos because we're talking about the title of today's episode is why don't you just stop being non-monogamous? What a mess. And backing up a little bit to how we get to the question of why don't you just stop, which for the record, I think if you're non-monogamous is something you've probably asked yourself or your partners ask you or people who just like know you and your relationships might say on a regular basis is that why don't you guys just stop or when are you going to stop or will you ever stop? Like that definitely is a question that comes up a lot. Um, right. And so Alex and I were thinking about how it comes up in our relationship uh, and specifically around a dynamic that I think shows up with us and in other non-monogamous couple clients that I see. So, okay. <laughs> I, 
that was all very cryptic. Yeah. <laughs> Unpack that, Jessica. I'm like, what? now, what? Can you tell me what, what the fuck are you talking ha- about? Happened. Alex and I had a fight. Yeah. Mm, okay. Well, so, well, yeah. What happened? Well, didn't you hear the fight through the floor? <laughs> no, just kidding. No, because nowadays when you and I fight, we just like sit yeah. very quietly and are like, I am activated right uh. now. And the feeling that I'm having is one of activation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a very, it was a very uh, subdued fight. Uh, it was, it was punctuated by our son coming in, showing us stuff that he'd made on Toko Life every 15 seconds. So mm-hmm. it was really... Well, a lot of catharsis there. Um, yeah, but I think it was a uh, it was a fight that we've had before. Like it's a dynamic that we that we really have um, uh, that repeats a lot in our in our relationship, and especially since we've been non-monogamous, but maybe even before that. Um, and I think it started with you and I both have a couple of first dates coming up this week and we were actually not talking about them specifically but this again this often happens i feel like so much of life as this modern life especially <laughs> especially uh with children and being non-monogamous is like scheduling right we're just like trying to schedule a thing and then it's like some emotional content comes up we're like wait the what's the thing you're scheduling yeah what are you doing that not only was our son coming in interrupting us about Toko life every 15 minutes, but then our like a member of our chosen family and neighbor who lives a block away and her daughter just like showed up unannounced oh, yeah. and just like mm-hmm. walked in and they're like, where is everybody? And I'm yeah. like, we're fighting yeah. in the bedroom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fortunately, we have a lock on our door. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I uh, was mentioned to you or like confirmed for you that I was going out with a new person. On Saturday, um, listeners, I'll let you know how it goes (laughs) on the next episode. Um, And, uh, I mean, I guess tell me about how that was for you. You know, this is part of what hopefully we'll be talking about today. Sometimes there will be, like, a new person that you're going on a date with. And I think I've talked about this on the show before. New people are the hardest for me. It's just, like, absolutely across the boards has very consistently been true um, that with every new person that enters, and it's kind of true for me, too. Like, dating Mm. new people, going on first dates is, like, kind of hard for me and scary. You doing it is hard for me and scary. Um, There's just, like, that sense of the unknown and, like, "Ah, anything could happen. I think with you, there's often a fear that I have that, like, well, this is it. This will be the perfect person. And they'll go on a date and they'll be like, this is the person I've been waiting for my entire life to be monogamous with, start a new family with. Uh, you know, let's just text the old one uh, out of politeness. <laughs> I don't even come home from the yeah, date. I'm just, just like. And I put me yeah, on the a group text, a text and block my number. <laughs> uh, and it's always like, that's an exaggeration, but it's just pretty consistently mm-hmm. from the beginning the more you go on dates with people or the more I go on dates with people, like the more that feeling lessens. Um, and when I'm not activated, I can joke about it. And I'm like, yeah. obviously that's fucking absurd. Mm-hmm. But when I am, it feels like very scary. And then I think it can kind of intersect with other things. Like if the person is like, doesn't have a lot of experience with non-monogamy, for example, it mm-hmm. will be a little scarier for me. Right. Um, if I... I'm going through a period where, as we'll talk about later, 
I'm not feeling like my best self. I've been like <laughs> sick and been through some hard shit and just noticed today that I only have like one pair of pants that don't have holes in them and one bra that the elastic isn't broken on. And you're like, oh, And God. then I show you their profile yeah. and they clearly own like two or three pairs of pants. <laughs> right. And I'm like, huh, her teeth are so straight. And her eyes are so glittery. And she's also like younger than me. Um, and of course I imagine someone that has none of the problems that I have. Yeah. As I'm getting I'm activated. I'm sure she doesn't yeah. have any problems at all. I'll well, can I ask you guys like, what kind of deals or like agreements do you have around this stuff? Like, is there any kind of like, I don't know, limit to how often one of you can go on a first date or is it like Alex always goes on dates on Thursdays or like, do you guys have any kind of like no. default? We're, we're kind of anarchists. <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever. Like send a text if you're going to run away with the new person you went on a date with. Uh, no. <laughs> we don't have any hard rules like that around quantity. I mean, I think just practically speaking, there is uh, some limits, but that's an interesting idea. Like mm -hmm. this being a thing that's hard for you, like maybe it would make sense for it to be, um, constrained a little bit. It's not like that many people want to go out with me anyway, so. <laughs> we've gone through periods where we've tried that, um, and I think, like, the general complexity of our life makes having too many, like, hard structures like that in place right. difficult. And yeah. also, it inevitably involves other people who also have complicated right. lives, you know? Yeah, and we only want to be dating people with complicated lives because otherwise they we might be too interesting to them or something, you know? That is such <laughs> an interesting insight into huh. the way your I think works. it's true, though. I it? love that you are. I mean, I'm joking about the second part of it, but I do think that we're generally speaking, we're looking for people who, like, have a lot going on, have, like, interesting careers, mm -hmm. probably have families and other, yeah. like, you know, important relationships in their lives. Like, there's a, there's a lot there. But um, I do think that we have some... It's not like we don't like there are some some kind of tacit agreements, like, for instance, uh, you were looking at the person's profile. Mm -hmm. Like, usually we like share the profile, like, look, you know, let the other person look at the profiles. Of so people we can recognize them with. in a lineup. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when whoever disappears. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's like communication stuff, I think, around first dates, like, you know, checking in partway through, mm -hmm. um, you know, certainly like kind of basic safety stuff around us. Like, where are you going? I feel like sometimes we like send the, per like, this is this person's number. I usually do that. You don't yeah. usually do that to me. No. So often mm. I don't have their number. Which again, I think sometimes speaks to our different orientations towards first dates where I'm like, I might get killed. And you're like, right. this is probably going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, usually I'm not worried that I'm going to get killed. Although, I have gone on n not one but two first dates where the person had a gun. So, uh -huh. it could it could go any any kind of way. Maybe we should. I should just wear a bulletproof vest. <laughs> Those were wild days. Yeah. It was like high pandemic times and you kept meeting people like at the shop at like Cal yeah, Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> it was like an armed standoff. Like, literally that time I was like making out with and on the grass at Cal Anderson, which is dangerous enough uh -huh. in and of itself. And then I was like, oh, what is that? And it was their gun that was in a holster on their right. waist. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we digress. Well, we do. But so it's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess coming back to the topic, it's interesting that you do have these sort of like practices around new people where you like share information about them. So it seems like it's very like 
open communication prior to a first date, but that somehow it often also is distressing. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. Is it distressing for both of you? Well, like, I think we should talk about that. It's like okay. sort of uh, uh, an escalating spiral of distress, I think, <laughs> I think is how I would describe it. Um, because like, so what happened yesterday, like I mentioned that date and then you were like, can I see her profile again? And then you uh, said a lot of kind of self-deprecating things, comparing yourself to mm -hmm. her. Um, yeah, this one and, sounds right so far. And sort of gently <laughs> threw my phone. I tossed your <laughs> tossed, phone. Tossed my phone lightly. About 18 inches yes, away from me. While exclaiming something. Crossed I my what. arms and I was like, why are they all so young and pretty? Yeah. <laughs> so it was like a small tantrum, yeah. I would describe I it I was as. being... A little shit. I no. think the, I think it's the technical I'm term. A little shit. I mean, it's like also the technical term is I was like feeling activated mm -hmm. and I acted like a little shit. Right. And in response, I too got activated <laughs> and uh, was like, you know, the, the feeling, I guess I can't remember exactly how he responded, but probably in a sort of like finger waggy way. But the, what I was feeling was like, oh, I'm doing something wrong. I shouldn't have scheduled this date. Sarah's saying she doesn't think I should be dating this person. You know, it's making her miserable and unhappy, and I'm the cause of that. And, and that's because I'm a, a bad person and a bad husband. Yes, I believe what you said was, yeah, why do you have to do this every single time? <laughs> I think I said, why do we have to do this every time? But I guess it's the same anyway. But I appreciate yeah. knowing what was going on in your heart. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, and then how did you feel when I said that? Uh, and then I was like, God damn it. Like, this actually doesn't happen as often as it used to. And when it does happen, it's pretty small and contained. Like... There, I will always have a moment of some kind mm -hmm. around a first right. date. And sometimes that moment will be like, having a moment around this first date where you just like tell me like 10 things that are great about me. And then you do and I'm like, mm. yeah, okay. Right. And sometimes I have a moment around a first date and I'm like, Jessica, I'm having a moment around Alex having a first date. Can we have a drink on the porch? And then we go out there and usually end up talking about something else entirely. And I'm fine. <laughs> um, or... Uh, and then on occasion, I'll have a moment when it usually when it intersects with a lot of other stressors right. where I get activated. Like we and knew somebody was coming over and our kids were like, we asking didn't actually us, know she was. Coming well, for, OK, yeah, we had a vague sense that right. things were going to happen and right. our kids were needed stuff from us. And we, you know, it felt the like we had a, strained, a constrained amount of time and we were just like, let's figure out the schedule right. for next week. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The Christmas tree had to be taken down, mm -hmm. which is mm. everybody's favorite. January but you know what? We fucking got through that and. It was, mm. yeah. It's behind us. So what I want to say is the way I felt when you said that was I'm actually have gotten pretty good at managing this. Like it is always a thing for me. But whereas when we first started, there would be like tears or like big activations that lasted for a long time. Uh, now it's like pretty contained and like on occasion I might act like a little brat for some period of time, but it's not that big of a deal. And I felt like totally unseen. Like to you, me having done all of this like work that was mm. beneficial to me to like become more regulated around this mm -hmm. means that if I'm ever dysregulated, all of that is right. not seen at all. Well, and stepping back a tiny bit, no matter how contained it is or how many times 
we have that kind of interaction and then like you kind of tell me like, you know, it's not a big deal. I just need to have that, you know, I just get activated sometimes and I need to have that reaction in some way, shape or form. It's still, I still like do the same response thing of being like, you know, what I just said, like I'm doing something wrong. I feel just like, you know, um, a bunch of shame about it. And like, you know, you're telling me that, uh, I'm bad. Right. Um, and this was where it got interesting and like sort of, I think telescoped out for me because then there was this like kind of moment that felt very familiar where I was like, well, I get scared and freaked out. And that means that like, I'm bad and you don't love me. And you're like, my behavior and who I am is what causes you to be scared and freaked out. And that means I'm bad and you don't love me. Uh And then we're both kind of just sitting there like, um, well, and then inevitably you'll, usually you will be like, well, we don't have to do this at all. Why don't we just stop? Right. Right. Which is, I mean, it's not what I said in this case. That's, we've gotten there in the past, but I said a version of that was, that was just like, this date isn't important. I can cancel it. I don't need to go out with this person. It's not a big deal. Whatever. Right. Like, just pull the plug. Pull the plug. Why don't you stop? Let's not do it. Yeah. And then I said, which I, what I inevitably say, which is. Uh, I don't want to stop. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to stop. I don't want you to not go on the date. Right. And that is when I had this moment where I'm like, oh, I have been in this moment with a lot of clients before, too. Or mm-hmm. individual clients who are non-monogamous have described similar types of moments. Right. And I was like, what is this moment about? Mm. What is going on here? And that got me curious about talking about it on the podcast. It's funny that it's occurring to me now that we had the idea to talk about this, to do an episode about this before having <laughs> that fight. And then, you know, we knew that we were going to record the episode today. It was not in my mind at all that we were like doing the exact same thing, you know, that we had we had recognized mm-hmm. in a like a in a cold state, like not in a not freaked out fight state. Um, and we just still did it again, which I guess is just to say. It's hard to escape those dynamics and like the feeling of, you know, when you feel activated, you feel activated and you're not like, uh, it's just so, you know, it's like in, in those cases, it's always like one of us or both of us should, could, should in theory, just like be nice to the other one mm-hmm. and like, you know, kind of come to them with like a lot of understanding, with a lot passion. of understanding because we know that we're capable of that, but it's really hard to do that. When um, you're both activated. When you're both activated, yeah. And it's re- and we've gotten, I think, much better at doing that when one yeah. of us isn't. Yeah. Um, but if right. both of us are... And that's are, why Jessica didn't actually hear the fight through the floor, because it was very, <laughs> very subdued. But I, I mean, it's interesting that, like, I think to, like, uh, the lay person, or, like, an initial <laughs> reaction to the idea of non-monogamy that I hear all the time and see on social media all the time is, like that sounds really hard. Why would you do that? Right. My life is like complicated and hard enough already this, you know, and then I think you guys have done such a good job here. And like, it's like, it's upsetting kind of to think about, like I'm picturing myself like scrolling through someone's like dating profile that my husband's going to go on a date with. That sounds horrible. Right. (laughs) And you, you saw me yesterday. We talked yesterday, you know, I was in a horrible mood. I was like, this is like some deep Sunday, January, mm-hmm. everything is a mess. I don't know the last time I showered. Fucking vibes. 
mm-hmm. you know, and then you're scrolling through like your partner's going to go out and it's like just the mm-hmm. most glittery, attractive, right. charismatic, charming, youthful, not worn out looking people you've ever seen right. in your life. Yeah. 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 And then it's also then, really easy to access like, um, I mean, like I'm excited about going out with that person and everything that you both just said is also true. And that's like kind of the root of the like, oh yeah, what if what a shitty thing to do to your partner who you love, you know, is right. to like force them to experience that or right. like whatever, like cause them to experience that. And then that, like hearing you say that makes me so sad because it's not a thing you're doing to say, you know? Right. Like, yeah. And the whole point is sometimes... Wait, it's not? Well, it's not. No, it's not. How is it not? Okay, we're going to get into that, I swear. I I have faith that we will be able to get inside of that. Um, It's not because... (laughs) I feel like a lot of listeners are like, yeah, it is. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean... It's the more relatable perspective culturally from a monogamous perspective. Like, it's more relatable from a monogamous perspective that it would be really hard for your partner to have to confront the people that you're attracted to and going on dates with and thinking about getting involved with. So I think this might be a good time to talk about your first date this week, just like to add a little bit of a context to the relationship, to the dynamics here, because it's not (laughs) always this way. This is more, I'm a little bratty shit. (laughs) No, I'm not saying that at all. It's just like the, the, we're talking about a dynamic where Mm -hmm. the two partners are kind of like different around these things. And I don't think those always break on the same like gender lines or whatever. It shows up in queer relationships, I'm sure as well. And maybe it doesn't show up at all, but it's that you're saying it's pretty common with your clients too. So like, let's Mm -hmm. hear about the flip side of that. Cause you also have a first date, uh, this week Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. someone who is much younger than you, Mm -hmm. who is very attractive. Um, and, uh, what's up with that? I, what's your point? <laughs> well, why are we even talking I about mean, that? you want me to talk about my perspective on that or, yeah, I wouldn't, um, okay, yeah. well, one thing is, I mean, it is, uh, your first date is with a woman, mm-hmm. so maybe that changes the, the dynamics a little bit. Um, but I don't, uh, think it's, I don't think it's, it's all that. Um, but like for me, I'm capable of jealousy around that, but I also know that like your corresponding emotion to like my excitement about my date is your like overwhelming feelingness of of kind of like maybe nervousness or skepticism. I mean, you tell me why am I describing your? I mean, your it's just fear. It? Like uh, yeah. it's fear that I'll be compared to the person and come up short. Right. Fear that like it'll be a connection that will be threatening to what we have. Fear that it'll be disruptive in Wait, some way. You're talking about with your date. No, no. Oh, okay. Yours. Yeah. What are your feelings about your oh, date? Oh, my date. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you're avoiding talking about this. <laughs> yeah, right? Let's go back to Alice's date. Um, hmm. Yeah, it is hard for me to talk about it because I'm embarrassed by how hard it is for me to access feelings of excitement about a first date. Like... I think of first dates and even really the first couple of dates as things that I kind of have to get through in hopes that something might, something good might be there. It's hard for me to just like take them as they are Mm -hmm. and be like, it's a new person and it's exciting that it's a new person and 
well, I'll just assume it's going to go well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there are glimpses of that. And I think I have been able to access that more the longer that we've done this um, because I have a larger sample size and I know that things can go all kinds of ways. And in all cases, you have control over the stakes, right? Like I can decide that this first date is a low stakes experience where if nothing else, I get to have like some beer and burgers with a new person mm-hmm. and that'll be interesting. Um, but it's pretty hard for me to access that. And I often feel like I'm kind of like trying to pump myself up and pump my enthusiasm up for a first date. Yeah. Kind of no matter what. Yeah. That's interesting. I was going to make a joke a minute ago about how like I like first dates because the, uh, the new person doesn't know all about my bullshit. <laughs> and I can like, you know, f- fake like I'm perfect and really interesting and stuff. Um, uh, and like, I think objectively speaking, you are better at charming new people or like meeting new people than I am. So it's interesting that we have such different experiences around that. And I'm sure there's probably some like male privilege elements there Maybe, yeah. that like I'm sort of just like socialized to like show up and be like, here's everything that's great about me and I'm going to tell you what I think about things and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Maybe I'm too deep down this rabbit hole because that's not that's something I'm necessarily like used to or super comfortable doing, but dating has made me more so. Mm-hmm. And so it is like sort of an affirming, like I feel like through non-monogamy, I've been able to be more like of a like masculine archetype in that way or like explore how to be that way mm-hmm. when previous to that I was like more shy about new people mm-hmm. and when we would meet new people together I would kind of like let you do that that's true that's interesting but anyway that's all a lot of uh you know whatever other context but like but so do you feel jealous or scared in well yeah any relatable here's the way? thing um I do I am capable of that but I think because I know how genuine your feeling of skepticism is and you say things like and I quote I feel like I'm just a 200 year old woman in rags <laughs> who's gonna show up to the date and <laughs> dressed in rags um, I think what I said was and then I'll cough because I've had the flu and dust will come out <laughs> yeah <laughs> And so, it's not the sexiest feeling in the world, okay? I know that that's not true, and that's not how you're going to present, but also I know that's an authentic feeling <laughs> that you're having, and so it's hard for me to imagine, like, you know, and then she's going to fall deeply in love with that person and just text me that she's running away together, you know? Like, I know how authentic that feeling is, and I know how much you love me and feel safe with me, and so... I, and who wouldn't want to just text the 200-year-old woman in rags who coughs dust that you're going to go start another family with somebody else? Wait. No, you're texting me in this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but Jessica... Does a 200-year-old woman in rags even know how to send a text? I mean... Yeah. yeah. This, is all, this is all getting a little ageist, <laughs> sorry, also. It is. I'm sorry. Of course she does. It's not like 200-year-old women does. in rags who... It's 2023. Yeah. Cough dust don't also <laughs> deserve love and to go on dates. True. Yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> <laughs> yes, with other 200-year-old women or men. I can't wait until I'm 200. I guess, but I kind of... <laughs> I kind of want to, like, just see how much of, like, a direct... 
like parallel of your two experiences we can have, you know, like what does it feel like to you, Alex, when you're like scrolling through the profile of someone Sarah is about to go on a date with on a dating app? This is a great question. Um, huh? I mean, it's definitely different when it's men or women, but I think there's like, I think I have a compersion feeling. Like when I look at compersion, compersion is a real poly poly word that people like to use about, uh, which I guess means like the feeling of um, happiness at your partner's happiness or like mm. the, that somebody you love is experiencing mm. joy or something. Positive. Yeah. But maybe that's bullshit. Maybe it's more like, maybe it's more self-centered in some way. I don't know. You're not, you're more, not, you're not. more self-centered, Alex. <laughs> Um, because I know that you're having these hard feelings around your dates. It can't be like pure compersion because like, you know, the that joy. That would require that I was. <laughs> that would require you to be experiencing joy. joy. Exactly. Um, but I am like excited, like when the people that you're dating, like when you're going out on a date with a man and I look at his profile and I'm like, he's, when I can see how he's like attractive or appealing. I'm usually kind of pumped about that and I'm not exactly, and, or with a woman and I'm not exactly sure why, but it's maybe more like, I'm like, you're like my avatar out there dating. I feel like I get to be dating them because you are or something. Oh, hmm. That's interesting. I hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Well, <laughs> what is the shitty self-centered motivation you assume I have? No, no, I don't, I wasn't assuming anything. I, I think just maybe there's a little bit of wanting me to have the same experience as you. Yeah. So that you can then enjoy that experience more. Yes. And not feel guilty. like I'm doing, yeah, not feel guilty like I'm doing something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ding, ding, ding. I think that's definitely what it is. Yeah. Uh -huh. Which brings us back to that, like, fear, shame dynamic that I think you're kind of saying, like, shows up with, with clients a lot, too. Uh -huh. And I think it gets us to this question of how this can feel really hard and kind of intractable. And even when you've done work on it and it's gotten better, like we don't have the same kind of hot fights around this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not as disruptive or as dysregulating as it once was in the mm -hmm. beginning. Yeah. It's still there and yeah. it probably will be in some way, shape or form forever. Yeah. And non-monogamy is a very easy place to activate it. Uh huh. Like, if you want something that's going to get you right into that dynamic as quickly as possible, non-monogamy is an easy place to get yeah. there. It's an easy way to get there. No shit, like Jessica was saying. Yeah. 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 It's going to, if you have challenging dynamics around shame and fear, sex, intimacy, love, fear of abandonment, fear of comparison, all of that stuff is just there available. Mm-hmm. And so I think the question that we've asked each other in those moments, and I've heard my clients ask, which is, why don't we just stop? Or why don't I not go on this date? How, how do we think about that question? I mean, it seems like a natural question to ask if it's just like, oh my God, this really sucks. And even if we do a lot of hard work, it's probably always going to be here in some way, shape or form. Why are we still being non-monogamous? Why would you still go on that date? Why is it that every time we ask that question, we still conclude that we want to, and I always want you to go on that date? I think we should try to answer that question after the break. 
Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> How's it going? Okay, so coming back from the break, I have a question for you guys, which is I have this idea in my head that like every couple like when they fight they're like actually you know the fight might be about like one thing this day and another thing the other day whatever whatever but like basically you're having the same fight every time i feel like that's been my experience Mm -hmm. is that a thing is that and like the fight you guys had last night is that is it that that one fight yeah i think that's a really good question to be asking and it kind of gets at the heart of what i think we're talking about in this podcast which is yeah I think couples are usually having the same fight over and over again with different topics. Mm -hmm. And I think non-monogamy, because it's a more rare way to have a relationship and it's not culturally sanctioned, it's really easy to think the reason why we're fighting is the Mm non-monogamy. And if we were to extract the non-monogamy from the picture, we wouldn't be having this fight. Right? Like last, and I think that's why really commonly you and I and couples that I see in my practice will be like, why don't we just stop? Mm -hmm. If we just stopped non monogamy, we wouldn't be having this fight. And it never sits right with me. Yeah. I'm like, I just feel like that's not true. Right. And maybe you can't, you know, close Pandora's box or whatever, but also it's because you're just going to be back in the same place that you were before. It's not like it's going to, it's going to solve the problem because you're still going to be having that same fight. Right. And it'll show up in some other dynamic. I remember one of my, oh, was it in my like systems, family systems class in graduate school? Um, We were talking about the most common conflict in relationships and couples in particular. And I had a professor who was like, look, it's money, it's sex, it's parenting and it's household duties. And I think you could say parenting or caregiving Mm -hmm. and household duties. That is what people fight about. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you could argue that below those topics, there is actually an emotional dynamic. Like we were describing earlier, the fear shame, for example, that gets kicked off. uh, That is actually the bedrock, the emotional Mm. bedrock of what's going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we, and we were looking for examples of like cultural representations of non-monogamy where we could like see this kind of fight uh, that we had or our dynamic play out. And they're, first of all, surprisingly hard to find where it's not like kind of a plot device Mm -hmm. um, for some other kind of psychodrama. But uh, I went back to that show, Scenes scenes from a Marriage, that was like a remake of a, like a Swedish movie or what, Ingmar Bergman movie. uh, and, and it was an, a redo with uh, Jessica Chastain and uh, Oscar Isaac. Yeah. yeah, and they famously made it seem like they were actually romantically involved IRL I it, still, at the premiere. I still choose to believe that yes, they are. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and I, it's I will not true. unchoose that show. reality. It was actually a life. documentary. Um, and in the first episode, there's uh, they have they're with a couple. Um, a non-monogamous couple who's friends of theirs. And they're probably like the non-monogamous couple are probably kind of like a prop for, mm-hmm. you know, the, their right relationship dynamics or to help them like play it out. But it's also like a really interesting um, 
demonstration of like non-monogamous people fighting. So let's watch that clip and see if we can we can see what the like root fight is. Yeah, but there's so many other relationship models. I mean, it's a new era. <laughs> Take us for example. She should have yeah, met. Well, with us. you know, I'm happy to give her your number, Peter, if you're interested. If she's desperate for research subjects. By all means, I think <laughs> she could benefit a lot from you, us. But she's interested in successful marriages. I think that rules us out, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's true. Hey, I'm sorry. Wait, so how, how was uh, how was Boulder? Oh yeah, it's good. We we won the bitch. Hey, that's great! No. Yeah. Cheers, congrats! Fantastic. Yeah, actually, we, we we killed it. You know, I don't think they were uh, looking for a boutique company, but they fell in love with Case Demos. Of course they did. She's a genius. There's no better web designer in the entire East Coast. No. I've said that multiple no times. No argument here. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't fuck up the presentation too badly, so. Yeah. Yeah. You sure? You sure? We were yeah, a well-oiled machine. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, guys. I'm jealous of you. I am. I get jealous of them. Don't I just think they're like a, a couple that can work together. Don't be is too jealous. Like the, no, I'm sure it's not always easy, but when it works, that's like the easy. I mean, the, the, the fact that we got through Boulder without killing each other is a miracle. Let's not do this now. I, why not? It's just, it's just not the time for it. Okay. <clears throat> so when we're alone, it's not the time. Maybe you can give some thoughts when the right time I Just stop, okay? Okay, it's fine. Let's go home. I'm not no, what are you playing me, please? Kate? Don't leave. What's happening? No. What's, what's going on, Peter? It's, it's nothing important. It's just the, the usual drama about... Don't say it's not important, though. Fuck you. <sighs> okay. What's going on is Nathan broke up with me, and I'm extremely depressed about it. Peter can't deal with it. He won't talk about it. So that's what's going on. And Kate, cut, it out. <clears throat> cut it out. You cut it out. All of these. I'm so sick of this social fascism. Like bullshit. Social fascism. Empty conversations. I'm allowed to talk about everything but the most important thing going on in my life. I'm not gonna do it anymore. Maybe they don't really feel like hearing about it. No. Do you consider that. No. You're the only one that doesn't want to hear about it. Because you'd rather wallow in your passive aggressive bullshit resentment. You can't admit that you're hurting, that it hurts, and just talk to me about it. Yeah, I'm hurt, okay? I'm very hurt, I admit it, okay? Can we end this now? Okay, no, we can't end this, and I won't live like this, okay? When we started this, we said that we would talk about everything, and I was there mm -hmm. through all your shit with Alana. Grace, I, I accepted yeah. that, I dealt with that. And now suddenly when I'm the one that's going through something, it's like, my feelings aren't legitimate. I never fell in love with anyone else. That's the difference. Okay, so what if I fell in love? That was supposed to be a part of the risk we both accepted. I'm not leaving, I'm here, I'm dealing with it. Sorry. It's Sorry, okay, guys. no, no, wow. guys. Oh God. It's okay. So you care more about what they think about you than what I'm going through right now. You're so pathetic. I think it's a real competition as to who's most pathetic right now. Let's take a break. I'm gonna go upstairs. Why don't you come upstairs with me? Oh my God. Mm -hmm. <laughs>
<laughs> I think it's a yeah, real competition dating. about who's most pathetic right now. That actually seems like something that I've said before. <laughs> I have such oh, mixed no. feelings about, I like really, really don't want to be the couple fighting at that dinner party. And I really, really do want to be the couple watching them fight. Mm. I'm just like, Oscar Isaac's at one point, yeah. just pouring a giant yeah. glass of wine. And I'm like, that's me. It's like, uh-huh. <laughs> he's eating the popcorn. Yeah. Um, so you're relating more to the guy and the non-monogamous couple in that, like you said, you really don't want to be the person who is like having that fight in front of other people. I was trying to like figure out who we are in that. Well, we do have a podcast where we're literally talking about a fight we had last night you're, in what? front of people. <laughs> Lots of people. So So you're ashamed to show your true self to the world, Sarah. My favorite line in that, the, I'm so sick of the social fascism, mm. which is just... You're just going to start wow. saying that, huh? Mm. I love it. Uh, I think I can relate to both people in the couple for different reasons. Um, but maybe the more interesting question to ask here is, what were they fighting about, mm. Really? What do you two think? I mean, what did they well, say they're fighting about? And then what do you think they're fighting about, really? Yeah, I mean, when she said that social fascism line, you know, you're just like, oh, that this is not the first time she has said that. <laughs> <laughs> right. This has come up before. Right. This feels like a familiar groove, right? Um, yeah, which is like she doesn't want... Uh, what she says to be controlled. Right. Right. And then she, but she, and then before that, at the beginning, she makes a joke about like how their marriage is bad. And then he's like, really acts really hurt by that. Mm-hmm. Right. And that kind of opens the door to, for them to like talk about their shit, which are the thing that he claims to not really want to do. But mm-hmm. like, that's when it gets like really serious. So I think there's like a dynamic there around like, you know, him not feeling loved Right. Or like being, being afraid, afraid that she doesn't love him. She loves this other person, Nathan. And it doesn't feel to him like those two things are possible at once. Or like her being depressed about Nathan breaking up with her is uh, like an indication of is really hurtful to him and difficult. But he doesn't also doesn't want to talk about it. Right. And there's some sense that they've been non-monogamous and there's been an agreement that there's not emotional involvement. Right. Which is and that agreement has been broken. Very common and always works great. Works. I don't think it ever gets <laughs> broken. That's really unrealistic. Super, but, super good yeah. idea, everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really easy to prevent that. Um, but, and then she's trying to be emotionally vulnerable, like, at this dinner party and, like, talk about her feelings, right? And feeling shamed by him for, like, wanting to expose their business feelings mm. and almost you get the sense that he's like you're creating these feelings by talking about them mm. and she's kind of calling him out on that because mm-hmm. it's yeah. like well it's not a good time when it's just us and it's not a good time mm-hmm. when we're around other people and mm-hmm. you're making me feel there's social fascism that i'm the one creating mm-hmm. this problematic right. dynamic mm-hmm. because i want to talk about it yeah. yeah right well and i think that like at the core like the root thing is you know doubts about being loved like whether the other person loves you. And I think actually now that I'm remembering, it's been a year since that show came out and like we watched it, but like the, the core couple, Jessica and Oscar, <laughs> um, whatever their names are in the show, I think it goes through, it follows them for like several years. And I think for the first part of it, the dynamic is that 
he feels like she doesn't love him. Right. And then at some point that dynamic flips. Mm -hmm. But isn't that all, always like kind of the core dynamic mm. or like the, the core to any any fight is like where any couple is like the fear by one party or the other or maybe both that they aren't loved by the other person. Loved or lovable. Yeah. I think it is. And I think if you excavate down through the different layers, uh, you know, at first glance, they're talking about non-monogamy and how it's not working for them mm -hmm. or is a struggle for them in some way. Right. And then below that, you hear these dynamics about uh, fear, I think probably from the husband, that he doesn't deserve the wife, she killed the pitch, mm -hmm. she like has fallen in love with someone else, their friends think that she's the best web designer on the East Coast, and so there's like a flip of gender dynamics there, uh, and you can just like feel his insecurity, and then when she makes a flip comment about their failed marriage, right, or their mm -hmm. marriage not being successful, mm -hmm. he's getting activated, right? Yeah. How do you, how do you see her fearing that she's not lovable? And I guess I'd ask both of you that as you like, how would you excavate down through those issues to that, that baseline fear? I mean, that she, he doesn't want to, it's like he's rejecting her. She feels like he's rejecting her in not wanting to talk about what's going on and like her feeling of like sadness about her relationship ending. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he can't accept that feeling or he can't deal with it. And so I could see how that would indicate to her, like, he doesn't actually love her. Mm -hmm. He just, uh, you know, wants everything to be okay, but right. wants her feelings to be like controlled. Yeah. There's some kind of control of feelings. Like she's not to be totally trusted. Her feelings aren't to be trusted. Mm -hmm. You can see that she's like, I have sought support from you around this hard experience and you've shut me down. Right. Now I'm seeking support from our best friends and, and you're shutting, shutting me down. down. Yeah, yeah. Right. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, what does this have to do with us? Right. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. Uh, well, the, yeah, go ahead. Justin. Yeah, no, no, no. I was just going to, I think we, going into the break, we asked this question of, it sounds hard. Why don't you just stop? And then we realized, wait, okay, we got to talk about this. Like, we've got some more things to discuss before we can really answer that question. But I mean, so are we, like, are we concluding here that this fight is about non-monogamy or not about non-monogamy? That's the context. That's the setting. But I don't think it, that's what it's about. And I think for us, mm -hmm. I wanted to, there, I, I thought of a couple of examples for where, where these dynamics that we have inside of non-monogamy and like first dates that we were describing up top are kind of like flipped or they're kind of different. Um, and I guess maybe as a setup and to draw on my clients here a little bit, mm -hmm. I have found myself asking them when they're just like, we're having the same fight over and over again in non-monogamy and we'll try and do some of that excavation and yet it's still showing up. And I'll say, what do you think you would be fighting about if it weren't non-monogamy, if you did stop because mm -hmm. you're just like sick to death of having this fight mm. and you're just like, nope, we're not doing this anymore. I'm done. I, I just can't, I can't feel this feeling one more time. What do you think you'd be fighting about, if anything? Um, so I guess I offer mm. that up because 
I'm kind of asking you, what do you think we might be fighting about? Well, what did we used to fight about before um, we were non-monogamous? Um, I mean, the, the things that I had in mind were, because uh, I was realizing I am capable of jealousy in your other relationships. Usually it's not, um, you know, ones that are very new, maybe because of that, like skepticism and the feelings that you're bringing to new relationships. But then you have like a lot of very established, you know, somewhat, I guess, platonic relationships that like predate us, our, you know, relationship officially being open, but like they're very intimate. I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. And I am jealous of those relationships for sure. Um, And like feel like, uh, starve for your attention relative to them and, and stuff like that. So I don't think that jealousy is just not there on my side. Um, and then the other one is, you said couples always fight about money. Mm-hmm. And when we fight about money, I think these were the, the dynamics are really, those like fear, shame dynamics are really flipped. Mm-hmm. Um, I can describe my part of that. Yeah. Uh, it's sometimes like around money stuff, I'll just feel like really out of control mm-hmm. and like, Um, I get sort of panicked, like, we don't have enough money, we need to, um, you know, like, tighten our belts or whatever, we need to, like, figure out something, like, you know, Mm -hmm. some way to make more money or spend less money or whatever, and I feel, like, really, you know, like, pretty panicked around that and pretty, like, and it's not really, it's not really logical or it's not really, like, like, one day I'll feel like that and another day I won't feel like that. And the difference between these do- those two days in terms of, like, our actual financial situation is nothing. Right. Right? It's something will activate me and I'll just be like, oh, shit. And that can be very similar to, like, me being activated about non-monogamy. Right. And then it's I'll like, be like, you're just continuing to do what you do with non-monogamy. Like, I'm continuing to do what I do with money or what we've agreed upon together. Right. And then uh, there will be an intersection of stressors for you where you're like, Sarah! This yeah. money stuff is out of control. Yeah. You've got to, what are you doing? Stop, stop. And I'm like, what? What? Yeah. This, but this is also money doesn't exist and it doesn't matter and we'll be fine no matter what. And you're like, that's insane. Yeah. We're going to die. And then I'm like, are you calling me insane? Do you right. not trust me? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, talk a little bit more about that side of it. Like when I'm like, you know, Sarah, we're running out of money. What are we going to do? We have to change. Or like, maybe I'm not like, what are we going to do? I'm like, here's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm freaking out. Like, how is that for you? And how do you think you respond? Well, I guess it's interesting. There's a couple of ways. Sometimes it, like, won't activate me, and I'll just be like, oh, yeah, I understand you being afraid about that. I know that that freaks you out. That makes sense. You know, we just, like, Mm -hmm. put Christmas on a credit card or whatever. And we have been able to sometimes have discussions where we, like, work through it together. Okay. but But more commonly, I'll just be like, wait, what happened? I was like, we're just doing the thing that we agreed on. And I am doing that same thing. And now you're freaking out about money. And I am like trying to catch up with you on this freak out train. And I don't know how to. And now I feel like I've been made the bad guy and you don't trust me. And like, you think that I'm irresponsible and, you know, and I'll be like, we've been together and had shared money for 20 years, Alex. Like, why all of a sudden are you like not trusting me with it you or thinking like I'm, I'm the source that of the you're problem. doing something wrong. And I'm doing something wrong. Even yeah. though it's kind of like what we've agreed upon and maybe that you're like, uh, your like desires are out of control mm-hmm. or they could be. <laughs> like I don't trust you to uh, be in control around that topic or like, you know, right. Yeah. And you don't sort of see me as an equal partner in it. Right. Um, and Which even is... if you go back and roll tape, like, 
you did, where you're like, so don't you have a date with an attractive younger woman this week? And I'm like, that's not the same. You know, if we go back and roll tape on money, I'll be like, I don't want to spend that much money. I don't want to spend any more money than you do. And you're like, that's not the point, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. my feelings about it are different. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I feel guilty when I spend money. I don't. <laughs> and you should, too. Yeah, so that's like, I feel like that's an exact, like, reverse parallel Mm -hmm. to what the dynamics we were talking about before Mm -hmm. um and it's so interesting to think about that and for me to like think about that and realize that like oh i'm capable i can like totally relate to the feelings that you're having around dating uh if i put myself in the position that that i feel around money yeah money or it sounds like sometimes like platonic long-term sure relationships yeah Yeah. Yeah. hmm Mm -hmm. I just, I, it's, I love this so much because I think I've had such a hard time like trying to imagine what it would feel like to not have like shame around sex or non-monogamy or something like that. But I think I'm the same way as you, Sarah, about money <laughs> where I really think it's a construct and I don't care about it at all. And I feel no, you know, I don't have shame around money certainly a lot less I think than most yeah. people I know um, and so it's just less so, the world I, suspect that it's because we have a lot of money oh no it's not <laughs> very broke always have been always will be um, until we monetize this podcast but until hey! we monetize this podcast <laughs> 2023 goals uh-huh. <laughs> yeah but it's just it's such an interesting yeah. parallel and do you think I mean is that useful to you guys like I think was this a recent realization between mm-hmm. the two of you yeah. yeah is it helpful I mean the pattern is not recent the pattern is like as old as our relationship basically mm-hmm. but the realization for me about how my feelings about that reflected your feelings about this other thing where I thought I couldn't understand you yeah was very useful yeah because I'm like oh yeah panic that you feel like it's completely like rational and makes total sense but the other person doesn't understand at all. Right. And then as they're scrambling to catch up with the panic, they start feeling activated. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, are you blaming me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it my fault now? Yeah. Yeah. And the fact is, sometimes I am blaming you. <laughs> I and know. it's not fair. And I don't know if it, that goes the other way with dating. Sometimes but, yeah. I'm blaming you. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I do find this helpful. Um, I guess as a non-monogamous person, as a person in a lot of like lifelong relationships and long-term relationships and as a therapist, you kind of get down to this really like, what is the word I'm looking for? It's like, uh, when you look at something like fundamental to the fundamentals or it's like to the atom level Mm -hmm. of it. Right. (laughs) Uh, and, and ask yourself like, what do you want your relationships to look and feel like? What do you expect of a relationship that feels good? Are there no fights in it? Hmm. Right. Or is it that the fights are fights that are like meaningful or reveal something or where you can like learn something about yourself or the other person? What is your tolerance for all of that? You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, it gets really Mm -hmm. interesting to me uh, Mm -hmm. at that level. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, do you see couples who say that they don't fight? Or I'm curious what your what your take on that is. Like is is not fighting a good sign? 
I don't think there are any couples that don't fight. Yeah. It's just like how... It's how they fight. How they fight. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes the fight is... Sometimes maybe couples don't fight because one party refuses to engage with yes. the conflict like what's happening yes. in the clip. Yeah. And there's a way... It's really complex that, you know, some some folks might pathologize any kind of conflict and mm-hmm. might avoid it right. at all costs. And, and to them any sort of conflict is a sign that a relationship is in distress or they have like right. a very low tolerance for it. And also their kind of refusal to engage in any conflict is a form of conflict. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's really like sort of familial or cultural, mm-hmm. like totally. what has, yeah. What are you like sort of attuned to based on your childhood experience and stuff like that? And then the yeah. flip side of that is you don't want to be having just like hot, disruptive, dysregulating mm-hmm. uh, fights all the time, most people, that's not the relationship they want to be in either. Yeah. Um, and most relationships will go through some periods of that mm-hmm. until you hit a place where you're like, nope, we, I don't, we don't think either of us have any more tolerance for this. We've got to find some other way, <laughs> which doesn't mean you like solve or resolve all of the root dynamics around it, but maybe it's just you try and understand them more deeply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that I like I was I was just gonna ask you what you think the sort of like mistake is around this or the lesson for us, and regardless of what you say, I don't think the answer is gonna be you know or once you know the lesson then you don't do this anymore. I don't think we're gonna stop having that kind of fight. No, because uh, or like playing out those dynamics because we recognize them, right? They don't just no. go away. Um, it's more like. You can see that they're happening, and I don't know, still do them inside of, in spite of knowing exactly what you're doing. Well, I think maybe it's about hopefully they're they feel generative and productive, mm-hmm. right? That you're like learning something or understanding something or offering care to yourself or the other person mm-hmm. more often than not. Yeah, right. Fights that are just like consistently destructive and upsetting and hurtful mm-hmm. um, are really different than fights that feel like they can be generative mm-hmm. and you can learn something. Mm. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to fight. Right. And it doesn't mean that all fights are going to be generative and you're going to learn something. But for that to be a language you can speak in conflict, I think, is valuable and makes relationships more fulfilling. Yeah. So when I said, you quoted me up top as saying, do we have to do this every time? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the answer is most of the time, sometimes, but that's okay because we're going to do it in a, try to do it in a generative way, not in a whatever. In a way that's cruel to each other or ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. um, Or destructive to each other or ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think when we talk about attachment, which we talk about a lot on this podcast, attached relationships, relationships where people rely on each other and trust each other and show each other their most vulnerable sides are relationships where you are drawn to each other for the things that feel like easy and good and beautiful and like uh, expansive and wonderful. And you're also drawn to each other for the work that you're going to do together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is no attached relationship, no meaningful relationship where people rely on each other, where they're not also signing up to do some kind of work together. Yeah. And maybe knowing that you know how to, do that work with the other person or trust the other person or like think that it's worth it is really 
you know, what is like fundamental to a relationship being good. Also a great argument for why you would never go on a first date and then text the other person and be, be like, oh, I found the person. <laughs> I found yeah. the person. They're perfect. And like, and I do say this to myself and to couples a lot where I'll be like, you know, you're signing up for like wonderful times and growth and like beautiful chemistry. And you're also signing up for work and you don't have to Mm-hmm. do that work together. You can decide that this is not the work you want to do or this is not the partner you want to do it with, mm-hmm. right? But, like, I think being able to be in choice with that and engage with that as also an expression of love mm-hmm. is valuable and also speaks to building a sense of security in a relationship. So, like, bringing this back to um, a mistake or, like, kind of a lesson <laughs> learned for us or for other couples, um you know, opening their marriages, it seems like um, the conclusion is kind of like, don't don't blame non-monogamy for the problem, right? And don't blame it for the problem, like from the perspective of like uh, the way that you feel insecure uh, about like my love for you, that might be there. Regardless, mm-hmm. um, certainly could see how it would be like intensified mm-hmm. by me dating other people. I think like there's non-monogamy comes with it an intensification of dynamics and of like ones you have with partners and ones you have like even inside yourself. Um, so I think you can, in a way, blame non-monogamy for the intensification of that, mm-hmm. but it didn't create those dynamics. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also would say to people, this is not like an argument for you should be non-monogamous or you should stay non-monogamous if it doesn't feel right to you. But I think it's more of an invitation to look a little beyond an easy mm-hmm. straw man, an easy cultural straw man to say, like, is the source of the conflict actually the non-monogamy or is this just like a shortcut to some really like deep and powerful, challenging and potentially generative dynamics yeah. in your life. Yeah. And I guess like for me, my fear that, um, you know, that I, there's like something wrong with me or like shame, like feelings of shame or, um, that I'm doing that I'm bad and I'm going to be rejected for that existed prior to non-monogamy. And those are like feelings that I have internally. Certainly it feels like it puts a finer point on those. Um, but you know, they were there before it's those, those feelings aren't the, like aren't caused by non-monogamy. And I wouldn't, if we, you know, were monogamous and like kind of followed the rules around that stuff, I would find something else to, to feel that way about, or would feel that way about just like the desire. Right. And I would say similarly for me, um, the fear that I will ultimately be abandoned or left um, by the people who are most important to me was going to be there whether or not I was non-monogamous. That was going to be like some of the work that I had to do over the course of my life, no matter what. And it's going to be some of the most intense work I do with a primary partner, yeah. the co-parent to my children. Yeah. Um, and my husband and 
I am... There's no avoiding the work, I think, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking of a good friend of ours, Morgan, the other day. We were talking about hard times. I think a lot of our friends have been going through some hard times. We all experienced like a loss recently. There's been some illness. There's just been some struggles, right? And uh, Morgan was saying, you know, I don't want to get into a conversation about like, who has more hard than others. I think you can just say that that is true in many cases, right? But what's more interesting to me is what do people do with the hard that they get? Mm-hmm. And that has more to do with their ability to enjoy life than anything else. And I think that that shows up for couples or relationships too. There's going to be hard. What do you do with the hard that you get? There's not a relationship you're going to find where there isn't hard. Um, so I think that's like um, yeah. helpful for me. That was almost directly mm. a Mr. Rogers quote. Shit, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. What did he say? Well, well, he said so. There's something about like, what do you do with the mad that you feel? So I guess it's a little oh, bit yeah. different, but it's like, what does he say the, you do with it? Well, he's asking it's you, in a song. like, uh, I you throw, know, I throw my husband's phone on the bed. Yeah, <laughs> toss gently. I toss it gently. Uh, yeah, but and no. I say, the, why are they all so pretty? <laughs> <laughs> right. The feelings are going to be there anyway. He's saying, but um, it's the way that you express them. Hmm. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess, like, that gets to the why do you not stop, yeah. right? The, we're, that's the question we're trying to answer here. I'm wondering, do we have anything else to say about that, like... Hmm. Mm-hmm. Why, why does it not feel right to stop even when the non-monogamy is the, like, subject yeah. of the heart? I mean, my first answer is, like, because it's fun and I like it. Uh, <laughs> but then there's your answer, and then my real answer is a response to your answer, oh. I think. Let me see. This sure. is what I'm hearing. You yes, tell me please, if I'm please. on the right track. Okay. So I think, like, the conversation kind of goes like this, like, okay, here's non-monogamy. Whoa, it's really complicated, and sometimes I feel jealous, or, you know, I've got to go on a lot of first dates, or whatever. What, it's hard. It's complicated. Why don't you just... And why don't you just stop? Um... But what I'm hearing is that, like, sure, some of the, like, logistics about how it's hard and complicated, those would go away. You wouldn't have to schedule childcare and dates. But beyond that, like, it's not actually, it's not asking the right question to say, why don't you just stop? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's going to reveal things that are going on for you personally or you as a couple, regardless of the non-monogamy. So it's kind of like two separate questions like do you want to be a non-monogamous person or are you a non-monogamous person versus like do you have challenges in your primary relationship Mm -hmm. that you need to address right or with yourself that you need Mm -hmm. to address that's super helpful because i think the answer that i want to give is i want to be thoughtful and intentional and engaged and authentic in my attached relationships and in my relationships in general Non-monogamy has given me a very powerful framework for doing that. And Mm -hmm. it's not the only way you could do it. But for me, it has been a really, like, powerful way of staying mindful of that all the time. And of, like, my inclination to think that love is this, like, really scarce commodity. And that you have to constantly be hoarding it. Or my fear that, like... um, 
if you don't play by the rules, you'll be left behind or that, you know, um, you can't count on people um, or that love is like not flexible and dynamic and something that we get to create together, but something that is prescribed and you either win or lose, right? So I want to be engaging with those questions because the quality of my life and my ability mm -hmm. to enjoy it and my relationships really hinge on the way I engage with those challenging, mm -hmm. those chal that challenging material. And so I'm grateful to have something in my life that is a framework that really like encourages me to do that regularly. Yeah. Um, and I guess like a few other things um, I was thinking about and answer that question. It allows me for like my weirdness and my queerness to be forward facing. Mm. So it's not like I'm trying to pretend outwardly to be something that I'm not only to then like slowly reveal to people that I'm a weirdo that lives in weird ways. Um, so I think it's been like integrative for me in that way. Um, it relieves the pressure that I might feel to be a perfect partner in a monogamous relationship and know that I would not be able to be mm. and then feel panicked about that and that I would be left as a result. Um, and then just like being able to develop my own like autonomous uh, orientation towards like sex and intimacy and learn about myself and bring that back to my relationships. So that's like mm -hmm. a long way of saying yeah, I don't like first dates very much. Not yours, not mine. <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like them. And at first glance, you might think then, why the absolute fuck would you ever be non-monogamous? And why would you keep answering that question of, do you want to stop with? No, I don't want to stop. Um, I think that's mm -hmm. my long my long answer for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it takes me back to, like, uh, when we first opened our marriage, a lot of people's initial reaction is, like, don't fuck with that. Mm -hmm. Don't mess with it. Mm -hmm. And like, I think there are a lot of reasons to be monogamous, mm -hmm. but I don't think for us, that's a good one at all. Because what they're really saying is don't engage with the stuff that's there it's beneath nuclear. the surface. Yeah. It's too dangerous. Yeah, it's it's too nuclear. Dangerous. And we both. We're like, Oh wait, what, what'd you yeah, say? Yeah. Well, it's not <laughs> like we want to like, uh, kick the bear or whatever the saying is. Um, but, it's like we're going to be thinking about the things that are there below the surface no matter what. And right. we want to be. So you can't just, we don't want to live in a way that's just like, oh, we just want to acknowledge those things. Right. And like, then they'll go away. Like the right. poor husband in the clip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hope he's okay. <laughs> I do too. Um, <laughs> I think they're going to break up actually. Yeah, I do too. I think they go upstairs and then the lady puts the moves on Jessica Chastain. Right? Yeah. After I, we're done, I'm oh, yeah. I don't even remember. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I remember that very well. And they're like, they, she has on like these, anyway, they're like, ah. silk, they're like silk sheets involved. And it I was like, an what? impression on Sarah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Sorry. And I think that like my, my offer to stop is like, that we could is like expressed out of like love for you and wanting to, um, you know, not like see you suffer because of you know, my own actions or, you know, our sort of actions together. But I know on some level that you want to be exploring this and having these experiences. And so I would definitely hesitate and do hesitate to like completely slam on the brakes, even when it gets hard, because I know that that would actually be like taking away your opportunity to do that and would be harmful to you and us mm -hmm. because it would be just like putting it back below the surface. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. 
That's a good way of thinking about it. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> what do you think, Jess? You buying this? Yeah, I'm buying it. <laughs> I know, and I really do. I mean, I think I have had this question in the back of my mind throughout this whole uh, project of your of you guys. I'll bet you have. I'll bet you. And have. by project, I mean your life. <laughs> um, but this really, it like helps me see it in a new way. So, yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for figuring this yeah. all out and sharing it. Thanks for stepping in and playing the role, basically, of the couple's therapist yeah. from this episode. <laughs> exactly. I re- you did a great job. It'll be $175, please. Yeah. <laughs> no That's a steal. It's a steal well, for you to be my couple's therapist. And thank you for listening to Mistakes <laughs> for Me. Uh, if you like the podcast, um, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Instagram. The handle is MistakesCast. Um, and we'll be back in two weeks. Thanks, y'all. Thank it you. was great to be here today. Thanks, Alex. And Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Love you. Love you. Love you.